Good morning, Calvary family. How are we doing? That was so much better than 9 a.m. It still wasn't great, but better than 9 a.m. Very good. Well, welcome. How many of you guys are, feel blessed to be here today? Yeah. Amen. Me too. Me too. This is a great church. Love being here with you guys. Uh, where are my parents at? Wave at me real quick. Parents, if you're a parent in this room. All right. How many of you feel blessed that your kids are going back to school next week? And all the homeschool moms are very upset and dads are upset right now at the moment. So anyway, my name is Mike, uh, Mike Badalato, and my wife and I get the great privilege and honor to serve this church, I'm trying to get my Bible open, as staff evangelists. And so uh, what that means simply is this, that we get to uh, serve on the leadership team of this church. We get to help this church uh, stay focused on reaching the one. We do a lot within the youth ministry, and uh, man, it's a great privilege and honor to get to do that. And in addition to our kind of roles, assignments here at the church, what we do is we are sent out, uh, this church sends us out, we go to different churches, we go to different ministries, and we teach, uh, we help, uh, you know, just impart something uh, really spiritual in some churches and ministries, and so it's a great honor to do both of those things. The past couple weeks, we have been in Virginia, D.C., Alabama, New Jersey, and now we are back here uh, in Maryland, and how many of you know there is no place like home? There is no place like home. I read a quote. Uh, it says, having a place to go is a home. Having someone to love is a family. Having both is a blessing. And uh, the Bonalato family is super blessed to have a place like Calvary to come. And uh, more importantly, a, a family of believers to love and to love us well. And so we just thank you guys for, for welcoming us and loving our kids and loving our family uh, so well these past four months. And um, thank you. Thank you, and uh, you know, with that being said, you know, we travel a lot, we see a lot, and a church only gets what its pastor is, right? A pastor can say, hey, I want our church to look this way, but that only happens when the pastors and leaders of the church begin to operate in it. So if you're trying to establish a culture, you can't have a culture that you don't live, and how many of you know this place is so loving, so caring, so welcoming because of our pastors, uh, Pastor Benny and Pastor Kelly. So give it up for our pastors if you are thankful for them. And, and uh, you know, since we're on the topic of our pastors, if you don't know, yesterday was Pastor Benny's birthday. So I'm a terrible worship leader, but I can worship, I can lead one song. It goes like this. It goes, happy birthday. Welcome. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Come on, give it up for our pastor. Happy birthday, pastor. We love you. So anyway, let's get into it. We are in uh, a series uh, which has been going on as long as I've been here, uh, which isn't that long. Uh, in the book of Matthew, if you don't know what the book of Matthew is, the Bible is broken up into two kind of main main sections. The first is the Old Testament, which is all of like the writings, it's stories, it's poems and praises and just all these different kind of even prophecies uh, before Jesus was born. It all just shows how God's heart is towards his creation, which is you and I, and then how we're supposed to respond to that love. And uh, the, the second 
part of the Bible, this topic is the New Testament. We, we call it the New Testament. It's all the teachings, all the writings of the early churches. It's the teachings of Jesus. It's the actions of Jesus. Uh, it's a prophecy about the things to come. And so that's the New Testament. And so we are in the first book in the New Testament, which is called Matthew. It is on page 724, if that helps you. If you have this Bible, I don't know which one it is. So anyway. We're in this book of Matthew, and uh, we're looking at it because it gives a ton of stuff for us to learn about God, and more than that, how do we live our lives for God? How do we apply what we're learning to our lives? Because we don't want to just be people who hear the word, but we want to be people who do the word, amen? And so let me give you a brief summary, bringing you up to speed uh, where we're at in Matthew. The first couple of chapters of Matthew are the birth and the childhood of Jesus. It's just showing how Jesus was born. We celebrate that around Christmas time. And then you see in Matthew uh, 3 and 4, I believe, it goes into uh, Jesus' preparation for ministry. Because how many know if you're going to do something great for God, there's a preparation that must happen, right? So that's including Jesus' baptism. It includes Jesus' temptation against Satan in the wilderness, and then it goes into Jesus' ministry in action. That's what we've been looking at the past couple weeks is Jesus, what he did, what he he taught, uh, what he preached, his miraculous healings, his deliverances, all these different things we've seen, and let me highlight a couple of them uh, for you. Pastor Kelly did an amazing job uh, sharing about Jesus' healing as a response to a friend's faith. So how many know it's important who you have in your circle, Right? So that was a great one. You can go back and check that out. Pastor West showed us a few weeks ago uh, through Jesus healing who, of a woman who had an issue with blood that were either speaking life, excuse me, he's speaking faith and life or doubt and death. I wanted to get his quote properly. So we're either speaking faith and life or doubt and death. And then Pastor Benny uh, has covered the lion's share of Matthew, but last week in Matthew 9, he covered a story uh, where Jesus heals two blind men, and he said this, I'd rather look clunky following Jesus than look cool avoiding him. How many of you agree with that? Come on, a culture that's so consumed with image and so consumed with, uh, with people's perception of them, the only thing that matters is Jesus' perception of you. Amen. So uh, today, after three weeks of being in Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to look at the last four verses of Matthew chapter 9. So if you are ready, tell somebody you're ready. My plan is to look at these scriptures, look at these four scriptures, and see what it has to say for our lives. How do we apply this to our lives? And then I want to end a little bit differently than maybe we're used to. At the end of this, Jesus tells us to pray. And I would never want to have a sermon about praying and not actually pray. So at the end of our time together, we're going to take a few minutes, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for, uh, you know, the students and the administrators who are going back to school. But there's some other prayer points, I think, uh, that are going to help us have some guided time of prayer together. And, um, you know, while we're talking about that uh, prayer, I'm a firm believer that church is not a spectator sport. You go to a football game to watch the Ravens win. Amen. You go to a baseball game to watch the Orioles lose. I don't know why they always lose. It's terrible. I'm, a, I'm an Orioles fan, so no, no shots here. Uh, but during worship, when Pastor Sean's leading us in worship, you don't stand there and watch him worship. We give praise, honor, and glory to God ourselves, correct? When Pastor Benny's preaching, you don't sit there and watch him preach. You actively listen by, like, taking notes and all that good stuff, right? Because everybody knows note takers go to heaven. And then finally... 
when we pray, you don't just watch me pray at the end of service today. You pray with me, amen? There's power when we agree in prayer. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 18, which we'll get to two years from now, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree, I'm sorry, Pastor Benny, I do love you. Truly, in fairness, we took a big break about reaching the one, so that was a big break in there. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So will you guys agree in prayer at the end of this with me for God to do some crazy, crazy God things? Amen. So Matthew 9 says this, uh, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for our time together. And we thank you for your word, Lord, which is just so clear to us and directs us and guides us, changes us, teaches us. Lord, so help us to uh, grasp what you're saying through your word, God. And most importantly, help us to apply it to our lives now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So it starts out, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. I want you to notice here, it didn't say that Jesus went through a lot of the towns and villages. It doesn't say that Jesus went through some of the towns and villages. It doesn't say that Jesus went through the convenient towns and villages. He didn't say he went through the towns and villages that he thought he would get a good reception from. It says he went through all of them. And I want you to notice that that's so important because that's the heart of God. Every person matters to Jesus. Every person matters to Jesus. And Jesus went out of his way to make sure that every person possible in his sphere of influence could hear these things. He could be taught, preached, and healed. Amen? And so for you and I today, we have to begin to grasp that same thing. And you know, it sounds a whole lot like when Jesus said, go therefore into some of the nations, parts of the nations, the nations that are going to accept the gospel, no, he says, go into all of the nations, making disciples. And, and then you see a picture in Revelation of, of what it's like in heaven. It says that every tribe and every tongue is worshiping Jesus. Why? Because every single person matters to God. If we're going to grasp this whole kind of four verses that we're going to be looking at today, we need to understand that nobody is out of the heart of God today. And so I think that this church has been so great. We, we gave you guys in your giving. We've, Pastor Benny's told me about all the missionaries and the different things that we support. It's because we understand that God cares about each and every one of them. And, and we had a prayer uh, for this church when we started here. And it was before I even prepared this message. We just really, I just really felt like a burden to pray that God would begin to use this church to send to the nations. In Psalms 2, he says, ask, and I will give you the nations. And so I began to pray that for you guys in this church a couple months ago, that God would begin to use this to send some of you out. And I felt like while I was preparing that some of you maybe needed permission to, like, take that step. Like, you were wondering, God, is this you? I feel like you're saying something to me. And I think that God is, like, really pushing you to, to, to take that step and to say, yes, 
I will go. You see, the more that God pours out his presence every week, it seems like God's kind of building more and more and more spiritually during our time of worship and the word and and just community and fellowship that we're building. Uh, Man, it's in those times of the presence of God that you receive those calls. Isaiah received his call in the presence of God. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And I just pray that that is for you today. Man, here I am, God. Send me. I will go. Who's going to go? Calvary is going to go. Calvary is going to send. Calvary is going to pray. Because that's what God is calling us to. So Jesus goes on through all the towns and villages. Uh, Great. That's cool. What is he doing? Well, he's teaching in the synagogues. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he's healing every disease and sickness. So what is Jesus teaching while he's there? He's teaching people how to relate to God and how to relate to one another, how to live your life in a way which pleases God because God is the one who created you. You were created to please him and to offer worship to him. So he's teaching them the principles of God. And then he goes on to say that he was proclaiming or or preaching the good news. What is the good news? He's sharing that Christ is here. Christ has come into the world, that the kingdom of God is here. That's why he says the kingdom of God is here. Repent. That was his message, right? He says that the good news is is this, that Christ came into the world to save sinners and that through him, you and I can have eternal life with him. We can be forgiven of our sins and receive new life. And that was the message that he was preaching in not some of the towns, but all of the towns. And then finally, it says what? That he was healing. Now, healing every disease and sickness. It doesn't say, again, some diseases. It says all of them, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I think it's important that we touch on this. Jesus still heals. Jesus still heals. The, the ministry of Jesus is not all about healing. It's all about saving, but how many know the ministry of Jesus includes healing? Right? Like, he heals to prove that he has power and over sickness. And, and I think that so many times we just are like, oh, well, that sounds good. That sounds cool. But I'm telling you guys here today, we've seen God do some amazing healings. And if you want to hear a story of one, I'll tell you after service. Come find my wife or I will tell you them. But I think we need to understand this, that healing is part of the atonement. Healing was purchased for you. If you don't know what the atonement is, it's simply that Jesus died on that cross, not that specific cross, clearly. He died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And in that, in that atonement, atoning for your sins, there's healing available. So we celebrate uh, communion. We celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus through taking communion. That's the grape juice and that's the, the wafer, which tastes nasty. Amen? But it's not about the taste. It's about the symbolism, right? So anyway, um, the blood does what? It, it, it symbolizes that the blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. It's the, it's the new covenant for you and I, but there's a second element, which is what? It's the breaking of the bread. Why do we do that? The, the Bible tells us that by his stripes, we were healed. So by Jesus' broken body, that's where the healing lies, not in somebody who is anointed and lays hands on you. It's in the body of Christ, which was broken for you. And so Jesus is going through every town and village. He's doing three things. He's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. And then it goes on to say, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, one thing we must know about Jesus is that man could draw a crowd. Any preacher would love to preach at the places that Jesus preached. 5,000, 4,000, a house packed out the doors. But how many know Jesus' concern was not the crowd? 
You and I know that crowds are only crowds because of the individuals that make that crowd up. So I think when I read this and I see this, it says he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. I don't think it's generally saying that Jesus saw all the people that were out here and was just like generally like, oh, I feel bad for them. No, no, no. I think Jesus had the ability to individualize the crowd. He was like, no, I see you. I know you. You are hurting, and I move with compassion for you, for me, for the tech booth, for the person online. He saw you, and I just felt so strongly that, man, you need to know this. Maybe you feel like you are in a crowd, and you are not seen or known by God, but he sees you, and he knows you. He sees you. And he knows you. There's a beautiful young woman that I met this week, and she was, like, surprised that I remembered her name. I met her two weeks ago. Then this week, she was surprised that I remembered her name. And it really hurt my heart to think that she wasn't worthy of somebody remembering her name. Come on. We have to be able to see people and value people as Jesus values them in every nation, in every tribe, on every corner, in every city. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. We need to become professional seers. We need to become professional noticers. Though we are so busy in our day-to-day, I understand we all got a thousand things going on. We have to be able to slow down enough to hear the Spirit highlight somebody for you and I. And let me give you a super practical tool in how I do this. One, in the morning I ask God to show me, right? Super practical. Number two, I became a very good noticer. If I'm looking, if I'm talking to you, I'm looking down, or if I'm, if I'm like looking down, it's probably because I'm looking at your shoes, because one, I love shoes, and two, it's a good in for conversation. Hey, I love your shoes. Where, where'd you get those shoes from? Or, you know, another one I like to notice, I like to notice tattoos. When I'm in a store and I see somebody with tattoos or my cashier or my waitress, I see their tattoos. I'm like, yo, what's that tattoo mean? That's sweet, whatever. And it begins to have a conversation. It's a way to start a conversation. And then you allow the spirit to guide the conversation and it becomes a gospel conversation. The greatest gospel conversation I ever had is just because I'm a decent noticer and I ask God to help me notice. Because nobody wants to feel not seen. And so you got to know, Jesus sees you today. So what caused Jesus to have compassion on the crowd? It says when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I just want to take a quick moment here. Harassed and helpless. We don't have to look very hard to find people in our world who are harassed and feel helpless. Harassed meaning a continual onslaught, a continual attack from the enemy. Every time they turn around, something is happening. And then almost as bad as that, if not worse than that, I feel is that helplessness to feel like my life is in complete ruin and chaos, but there's no way out. Come on, when you feel like there's no way out, that's a desperate place to be helpless with no help. And some of us in this room maybe are feeling harassed and helpless today. Some of us in this room have maybe for years been going and struggling and going through it and just battling and battling and battling. Feel like there's no way out. You feel helpless today. But my Bible says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is Jesus speaking. But I have come that you, that they, the crowd, the individual that make up the crowd, may have life and have life more abundantly. That does not sound harassed and helpless to me. So that means that if you're feeling harassed, if you're feeling helpless, God has a plan for your life to not be. He has a plan for your life to have an abundant, fruitful life. It's important for you and I to remember this. 
that earthly solutions will never fix spiritual problems. An earthly solution will never fix a spiritual problem. Now, don't hear something I'm not about to say. Us going to Walkersville Elementary School, we were doing a physical thing, right? We were cleaning up things, but what that was pointing to was that there was a spiritual cleaning, a spiritual restoration that needs to take place on that property. And God uses those physical things to bring spiritual pr product. Does that make sense? We give to Convoy of Hope. They give all of this food and all these relief supplies away. It's not about the supplies. It's about God sees each and every one of those people, and we need to point them to a higher bread, which is the, the bread of the word of God. Amen? And so we need to begin to look at the harassed and the helpless from that spiritual lens, not just they made bad choices, and that's their lot in life. They're harassed and they're helpless. I want you to think about the image of a sheep. I'm not much of a, a farmer, uh, you could probably guess. But think about the image of a sheep. Imagine a sheep who is just wandering around with no shepherd, right? He's got nowhere to go. He has no direction for his life. He doesn't know what's going on, right? He has no idea how to get to the right food and the right water unless he somehow stumbles upon it. So he's got no provision, right? He, he has no one to care for him. Have you ever seen a sheep that hasn't been sheared? It gets all matted down and looks all crazy like my hair does in the morning. It looks like this. Right, babe? And then what? They, they would fall victim to any prey. Like there was no protection for them. That's the imagery that Jesus is using here. And I think he's using it here for a reason. Not just because it's a good illustration. I think he's using it here because he understands that he's the good shepherd. And the people who are harassed and helpless are the ones that are not in his fold yet. It's not a coincidence that he uses this. I, I want to point your attention back to the parable of the lost sheep. We talked about this in the Reaching the One series. Doesn't the good shepherd go after the sheep that's lost? Why? Because it's not a physical, temporal thing that Jesus is trying to address here. He's trying to address the spiritual need that needs to take place in people's lives. He's wanting us to understand that he has moved with compassion for those who are not with him. Now, let me encourage you with this. If you are feeling heroic, uh, harassed. If you are feeling helpless, Jesus sees you, number one. Number two, he's deeply troubled by the pain that you are experiencing and that you're facing. And there's one thing I know about the compassion of Jesus is this. The compassion of Jesus leads to action. Compassion leads to action. Otherwise, it's pity. And how many know God doesn't have pity on you? He has compassion towards you. Nobody wants to be pitied. We don't, we, people don't want us to pity them as believers, right? People want compassion. They want us, the compassion to drive us to action. If you think I'm just making this stuff up, Mark chapter 1, there's a story of a man who's healed by leprosy. And Mark 1.41 says, Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. He heals a man with leprosy. Luke 7, Jesus comes across... Um, uh, a widow, and her son has died. He comes across her. This is Luke 7, 13. It says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he goes on to raise the son from the dead. Mark 8, Jesus does this. He feeds 4,000. He says, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And then what does he do? He feeds them all. So whenever Jesus has moved with compassion, he's ready to take an action to fix it. And today, if you're feeling helpless and harassed, let me just point you to that cross. That was the action he took for you. 
That was it. We're running out of time. Let me hurry up. Verse 37 says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's important to notice who Jesus is addressing this to. A lot of what I just shared is really showing Jesus' heart for those who are not yet in relationship with him, right? Like, he knows you and he sees you. He's hurting that you're hurting. He has a plan to give you a fruitful and abundant life. But now we're kind of shifting a little bit to, to, to who are the disciples. And notice it says disciple and not believer. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus, a lot of people believe in Jesus. Not everyone follows Jesus. Matt, we have the world's greatest youth director at this church. If you don't know, amen. If we don't know, Alex Bennett, you got to get to know him. He said something Thursday night that was so cool, and I just felt like I had to quote him in my sermon. Last, last service we did this, and as soon as I began to quote him, he walked through that door. It was like perfect timing. I was kind of pausing to see if he was outside waiting. He's not waiting. Here's his quote. He says, you believe with your heart and you follow with your feet. You believe with your heart and you follow with your feet. And so Jesus is addressing this next thing to those who are his followers. How many of you know a disciple is a follower, not somebody who's a believer? It's a, it's a follower. And so he's looking at the great crowds, each and every one of them, uh, the individuals that make up the crowd. There, there's ridiculous amounts of spiritual people who are lost and spiritual hurt and spiritual pain. And he says, what? That the harvest is the ones that God is drawing into relationship with him. And he not only says that, he says that it is plentiful. It's plentiful. Now, if you look outside and look at our world's circumstances, you would think there's probably not a great move of God about to happen, Right? But how many of you know, we don't look about, we don't live by what it looks like or what it feels like. We live by what Jesus has spoken, what the word says. We live by truth, not by feelings or looks of things. And let me just say this, wherever there's harassed and helpless people, there's a harvest. Harassed and helpless is just anybody who doesn't know Jesus. I know we could like make them very circumstantial, but really spiritually speaking, it's anybody who doesn't know Jesus. So wherever there's nobody who doesn't know Jesus, there's a harvest. Even though it doesn't look like the harvest. Satan would love for you and I to believe that people are not willing and ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest news on earth. People are ready to receive it. We just got to share it. We got to go to every town, every village, every city, every nation. We've got to preach the good news. We've got to teach the gospel and we have got to heal. We've got to move in the spirit. We got to do what God is calling us to do. So he goes even further to say, the harvest isn't just plentiful, but in comparison to how great the harvest is, it's not like we're just going to get a couple here or there. He's saying, it's so great, I don't have enough people to work my field. He's saying, we need more workers. And according to the UN, I'm going to look straight here so I get these stats right. The UN, the global population, is projected to reach 8 billion people on the 15th of November of this year. That is a lot of people, y'all. According to the World Population Review, approximately 2.38 billion people practice some form of Christianity globally, right? So that leaves us with what? Uh, 5.62 billion non-believers. Now, if you tell me there's 2.38 billion Christians, I would say that's a lot of workers, right? But how many of you know a believer doesn't equal a laborer? If every one of those 2.38 billion were laboring, we would probably be done with the Great Commission. I know that's, you know, not a fun thing to hear. So for the sake of the illustration, just go with me here, all right? 
8 billion people on earth, 2 billion of them are Christians, so I dumbed us down a little bit. That leaves us 6 billion people who don't know Jesus. So if there's 2 billion Christians, if every one of those 2 billion Christians would reach 3 people with the gospel, our work here would be done. That would cover the 8 billion, wouldn't it? And then my question for you today is, are you going to be a believer or a laborer? Would you commit to praying and believing God for three people in your life? Come on, wave at me if you can do that with me. Come on, I see all these hands going on. That means amongst two or three witnesses, you're held accountable. So for the next week, I want you to do something. I want you to every day wake up, ask God to, one, change your heart, right, to be moved with compassion the way that he was moved with compassion, not just to have pity, but to actually do something. Number two, help you begin to see the individual, begin to see the one in a crowd. And number three, have boldness to actually share the gospel. Come on, the gospel is that. Jesus loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. He says to live for him. If you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. The gospel is very simple because I'm not very smart, and I know the gospel. So I know it's very simple. So I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, I'm encouraging you, this week, believe God for three people. You know, I was asking God to move in healing in my ministry uh, for, for about a week and a half straight. I was asking God, I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And every single day, I walked past a lady in, in my office who had a cane. Every day, multiple times a day, I walked past her. And you know what? I'm sitting here praying for healing, God to use me in healing. And I never stopped to pray that God would heal her. And I felt like God instantly one time was like, you keep asking, but you're not acting. And I prayed for that woman. God healed her hip instantly. The next day, she was on a hike on a mountain to the glory of God. So I say that, not to say look at me. I say look at Jesus. When you believe and act in faith, he will respond because faith pleases God. So for your three this week, do it. Amen? So Jesus goes on to say, uh, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus tells us what our response to the overwhelming need and the overwhelming lack of workers should be. And if you're anything like me, I don't really like this answer because I like to do things. Praying at times, he says ask, right? Praying at times for me seems like I could be getting a lot of work done. But how many of the work is done in prayer? So that way, when you actually put your hands to something, it's blessed. You hear me? So there's two things here we got to acknowledge. The first is this, that it's God's field. He said what? Ask the Lord of the harvest, Lord, capital L, of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. It's not your harvest field, and you are not the Lord of it. It's not Pastor Benny and Pastor Kelly's harvest field. It's not my harvest field. It's not this church's harvest field. It's God's harvest field. So God is the only one that can call and equip and send because it's his field. None of you guys got your jobs because you told your boss you were going to take this job. You got your job because that person hired you to do a job. And it's the same for the kingdom of God. It's the same for the harvest here. Jesus has to be the one who calls and equips for his harvest field. And so how do we begin to make that happen? Well, one, acknowledge his field. Two, ask. We have to pray. My, uh, my wife, who's amazing, if you don't know her, you got to go meet her after service. Way smarter, way better at everything, definitely looks better than me. She told me this story years ago. 
And I think it will encourage some of us in this room. Uh, she used to work for Fox, uh, Fox News, Fox 5 down in D.C. So she'd have to take the metro in and out of town. And uh, she just was going through her regular routine of metro in, metro out, metro in, metro out, metro in, metro out. And then one day, while she's about to go into the train station, she notices a woman. In other words, like there was a, a crowd of people going in the metro. She noticed the one. Right, she saw the one who was there, and she felt like God had said, go talk to this woman. So she begins to go over. She talks to this woman. This woman is clearly homeless. Uh, she begins to hear about this woman's life and some things. And uh, at the end of their time together, my wife's like, okay, so uh, it's great to meet you, whatever. How can I pray for you? And this lady's response was this. She said, pray that God would send more workers out here. This woman has no place to live. She got no job. Everything in her life probably at this time is not really very great. Her reply was pray that God would send more workers. Is that challenging to you? It's challenging to me because when people ask me to pray, I'm usually like, yo, I could use, I don't know, like, I don't know, a new place to live. I could use this. There's a lot of things that I would reply to pray for. And if I'm honest, it's probably not going to be pray for God to send more workers. And I pray, I say that not to, like, shame any of us, but really just to spur us on, to encourage us to believe God and to pray for God for more. And so we could all stand. We're wrapping up right now. You know, I said before I talked that we're going to spend some time together uh, praying. So uh, before I do, uh, I just want to say I'm thankful for each and every person who is in this room right now. Each and every one of you are special. Each and every one of you are known. Uh, but there's a major theme that's running through these four verses. And there's like an overarching theme. And it's simply this, that Jesus wants relationship with everyone. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't, it, it was every town, every village, correct? He wants every person in relationship with him. And he's answered some pretty big questions for us today. Some of them being, in a crowd of all these people, am I even seen? Am I even known? And the answer is yes. You're seen, you're known, and not just those two things, but you're loved. And then he answered the, 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 the thing here, man, I'm feeling harassed. I'm, I'm feeling helpless. I feel like there's no way out of my circumstances right now. And he's answered the question, yes, there is a way out. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly to have a blessed and prosperous life so you can in turn be a blessing to others. And then finally we saw the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus leads to action. Jesus is hurting that you are hurting. Jesus is hurting that you are not in relationship with him. When Pastor Benny closed worship, he talked about how you were created to be in fellowship with him. Jesus is moved by compassion to action. And the action he took was this. He was born fully God, fully man. He lived a perfect, sinless life because you and I could not. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he lives this perfect life because you and I cannot, because we've dropped the ball, because we've done things the way that we've wanted to do them. And the Bible simply would call that sin. So after he lives this perfect life, he goes to the cross and dies on the cross for you and I. And uh, how many of you know that was the death that the individual, the crowd as a whole, but the individual was supposed to die. That was the death that you were supposed to die, that I was supposed to die. But his love for you moved to compassion, said, no, I'm going to die for you. 
and his love for you put himself on the cross and kept himself on the cross and he died and for three days he was buried on the third day Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he was God, proving that he has power over sin, proving that he has power over death, proving that he still heals today. And so the theme is simply this. Jesus hurts for those he's not in relationship with. And there's a way to have relationship with him. The Bible says repent, believe, right, that, that Christ Jesus died and that God raised him from the dead. Believe that he is Lord. And so with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to give that opportunity today. Some of those big questions in your life have been answered through the words of Jesus here. So if you want to know that you're known, if you want a way out of that harassment, if you want eternal life with God today, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air, and we're going to pray with you. I'm not going to call you to the front, but I do want to have a response of some sort here. We're just going to bless you with a gift on the way out. Amen. Come on. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. I see a couple hands going up slowly here. Come on. Raise them high. That way I can just see. Thank you. Come on. Let's as a family say this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying my death. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord. I believe that you arose from the grave. And I receive new life in you today we love you in jesus name amen come on give everybody a hand that responded if you responded i saw a bunch of hands floating around here we have these little bags for you they are on your way out they'll give them make sure you grab on your way out the bible says that you know you need to confess so tell somebody that you just gave your life to jesus the next step would be water baptism and uh, i want you to know there's also more from you the bible says that those who believe him will receive power now to what to go and do these things so now that you're a believer in jesus god has a, a power that he wants to, to give to you